Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. In this week's episode, we will talk about Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel's comments on how the school is handling the return of its athletes and the status of the 2020 football season, plus some recruiting news. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, how are you? Aaron, welcome back. We missed you so much, Aaron. <laughs> I missed you guys, too. <laughs> While I was sitting on the beach, I missed you guys so much. Very nice. But you listened. You listened to our podcast eventually during your travels, yes? I did. Yeah, I did on the day I got back, or the day after, maybe. I go. did. Well, since since the recording of that episode, uh, I think we alluded to it on, it, on that uh, episode, we were able to speak with Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel and, uh, you know, a couple others, uh, part of the athletic department, the lead doctor and, you know, a health and wellness person. Is that, is that the titles of the other people that were on that call, Ryan? Help me. Yes. Close enough. Some people, some important folks in the athletic department (laughs) as it relates to COVID-19. Um, and we got just some more insight on, you know, kind of the process for athletes returning, um, which, you know, we've outlined in, in stories. Uh, but, you know, basically there was, you know, a two week period before they even got to campus where they were filling out questionnaires, uh, you know, to kind of check up and see how they were doing. Then they got here and were immediately tested. You know, they kind of quarantined, I think, until essentially until they got their results and then, you know, went from there with kind of, all right, starting to do their their physicals and, and, you know, some strength testing before then they got into their actual, uh, you know, strength and conditioning programs. And of the 200 and what was it? 221. 21. We had two positive cases. Uh, they did not, you know, reveal what, uh, what teams, um, you know, what, you know, the gender, anything like that. I know, know for sure it's not one particular men's basketball player because i saw him out and about in ann arbor later that week um, at least you hope not <laughs> yeah that's a good point um but uh yeah i mean they said it was basically what they sort of expected you know around that one percent number um you know it was in, in line with what we've been seeing some other schools some have been higher some have been lower i guess but uh yeah first of all that 223 if they've only brought back the football you know men's and women's basketball i mean was that the and, and that was student athletes number right not coaching right. staff too they had none among the coaching staff but that number didn't include coaches and other staff i didn't think so that was just the student athlete number i mean you know i don't know 15 a piece on football basketball. and basketball that's a high uh, number yeah yeah that that's a that's a high number of football players right i mean i know there, there's there's a lot you know there's more than you see even, usually 115 you know, 120 and that walk-ons and everything else yeah and yet none of us question this number until now but (laughs) yeah here we are uh anyway that that was the number that they got uh you know from from that i don't know ryan you were obviously on on that call too i guess was there anything else that we should you know think worth mentioning before we kind of dive into then what we've even learned since Uh, i mean what to me what kind of is surprising is that they don't plan on necessarily regular testing for all athletes it's more of just like a sampling from different groups and, and teams um that they think might has more contact than maybe let's say like swimming or, or other non-contact sports um so we'll we'll see how 
how that turns out. But I mean, yeah, like the, the two, the two positive uh, cases, I was actually kind of surprised it was that low. I mean, just based off what we've seen uh, in some other places with, with Texas and LSU and uh, Kansas state. I mean, there's been schools that have reached double digits. Some schools just in football has reached double digits. Um, so I think that it was a pretty positive overall um, testing results for, for Michigan to only have two out of 221 with, with how cases have skyrocketed in some areas. It's good to know in Michigan, at least, that they're at this point relatively under, under control. But again, all students aren't back on campus yet. So we'll see when, when we get closer to the fall what's going to happen. So we've mentioned before, I'm probably the most pessimistic out of this group of a college football season actually happening and completing. But we shall see. I'm there with you. I mean, the last week or so, I went from two weeks ago being optimistic and, and thinking that a football season could, in fact, and probably will happen. And I still do think that to some degree, but I, the pessimism is beginning, for me, is beginning to creep in. When, when you see all, all these athletes testing positive right now, where things are more controlled, as, as you mentioned, a lot of the football players are on campus are starting to come back. There's no other students or there's very few students on campus right now. They're not mingling. They're not congregating with one another generally. Um, so if the numbers, if, if tests are coming back positive now, at least, you know, one, two, three percent, what's that number going to be once class starts again and kids are back? Um, I, I would presume it's the number won't go down. But again, I, I, you know, I'm not an expert either, but I, I'm, I, I do think a season will at least get started whether we get through one. Uh, is is where I'm beginning to become more pessimistic at. And what what I don't think has really been discussed much at all um, anywhere at this point is, um, yeah, most athletes have been asymptomatic at this point, but what happens if an athlete gets severely sick and either dies or gets as severe complications for, yeah, hospitalized? hospitalized. I mean, what's going to, what's going to happen now? And what's going to be the repercussions from, from that? Um, I mean, at this point, luckily it doesn't seem like anyone's been, very sick from this, but again, you, you just never know um, with so much uncertainty surrounding this virus still, which, um, yeah, I, that, that's what scares me. It only takes one instance where people to open people's eyes a little bit more to, to how severe this virus could be. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, it's going week by week at this point and hoping, praying for progress, but it is alarming how many young people are getting it across the country now. Um, yes, there's been less deaths, but um, a lot of people are, are still getting the virus. And I don't know how you can put people or football players on the field with you have, I don't know, 10, 10 players in any given week that test positive. And if they do, I mean, you what if that's eight starters out there? I mean, there's going to be debate on, all right, what I mean, it's going to be a weird college football season if it happens. That's that's for sure. Yeah. So will it happen? I mean, Ward Manuel, you know, was pretty much asked that. And, you know, he said uh, decision had not been made yet. Not surprisingly, he wasn't right. using this uh, Zoom call to uh, break the news of that. But, um, you know, said to expect it by, you know, the end of June or early July. So here we are recording, uh, you know, the second to last week of the month. So I would expect it soon. At that point, university had not made a decision or announced anything, let's put it that way, on, you know, just a regular student body for the fall semester. It since has. Um, so they're going to 
you know, have a combination of in-person and, 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 you know, remote learning, but they're going to welcome students back to the campus. Um, again, college is just, we've talked about this college and then sports. It's just, it's just really hard to do, um, you know, in a socially distancing environment. Um, I mean, it's fine at classes and it's fine even to a certain extent in the dorm, if you're just going to say, well, this hall is now like a, a family unit or whatever, which I think they pretty much said in their release. Um, but, you know, part of college life is then being social and, you know, mingling with people and, and, and going to parties and, you know, you're all drinking out of the same keg or whatever. I just, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's not going to do that. I, I, I guess that would be the responsible thing. Those things are obviously not an essential part of college. Some may argue about that, but you don't have to do those things, obviously. So, um, and it just will be interesting because yeah, football team, you have to be together. You have to be close. And, you know, at practice, you're, you're, you're literally, it's a, it's a physical game you're touching. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So I guess just to kind of set the scene with some of these, um, Oh, the other thing Ward say, I'll, uh, I'll mention about the, um, you know, about fans. Cause uh, obviously a lot of our listeners, they want to know, Hey, I got season tickets or I like to go to a game now and then can I go, uh, again, probably we'll find out in the next, next couple of weeks, uh, how they're going to handle that, but it won't be full. Uh, so it will not no, be full. no matter what the big house will not be at capacity. So, you know, we'll get, get more word on, on exactly how that's going to play out. Um, but yeah, these tests. Yeah. On that note real quick, I, I would not be surprised if they let, or they, they try to let, let 10, 23% of people in the stands. I, I think that's going to be, um, they, they have said, they sent out a letter to season ticket holders a few weeks back saying that they're mm-hmm. optimistic that fans will be allowed in the stadium again, but there's no concrete number. I think Ohio state at this point is going for 20 to 30%. Um, don't be surprised if Michigan, and tries to do the same, uh, and then it's gonna be interesting because you got you got you know so many season ticket holders, you've got so many students that want to go. Where are the what, you know what is the mixture? How do they let people in? You know, so I'm I'm curious to see what what, what they do there. Right, they're the big time donors that that say they'll sit in in a box with you know right. just their family and friends that they already are part of their unit. You know, is any harm there? I guess. Uh, yeah, it will be it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But of course, that's if there if there are games to be played because, you know, as, as Ryan alluded to earlier, um, you know, Michigan had the two positive tests, but uh, it's a much higher rate at some of these other schools. Was it Clemson? You probably have maybe some more of the specifics than I do, but Clemson had 20 plus. Uh, 23, 23 football players test positive. Which, there you go. I mean, that's almost a fourth of a football college football team. It's Texas insane. had 13 LSU court reportedly quarantined up to 30. I guess there's no number on positives, but. Yeah. I mean, obviously there could be a lot of factors for why some of these schools are higher. I mean, uh, more players from, you know, well, in Texas's case for the state of Texas, which we know has been on the rise or, you know, Florida or just the South where there are beaches to go to, or the weather was warmer even sooner than it was here uh, in Michigan. Not that Michigan doesn't draw players from all over the country too, but yeah, it's just, it is, is interesting to see, but then, you know, like I was it Indiana just today or the other day, you know, had, had none. Had zero. So, right. Yeah, they'd say tested, but again, it's not like a, a competition in that way. It's not like, Oh, Indiana had none. So they're like full steam ahead. They need teams to play. Uh, and they need to, you know, be, uh, yeah, obviously things could just, you know, be changing so much. So I don't know as yeah, far as you guys is, saying you're, you're then, pessimistic. I, I feel like I'm it, things, even if you're optimistic now, I could see them agreeing to a football season in the next couple of weeks. And then it just, it, it still doesn't happen. It falls apart or it can't, it can't complete. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, look at baseball. I mean, a few, a couple months ago, they were talking about, all right, yeah, cases aren't too bad in Arizona and Florida. We could just hold the season there. Now, yeah. if you try to do that, I mean, Arizona and Florida are two of the most hotbed states in the country, which would not be feasible at that point. There's plenty of other better options where you would be able to do that. So, yeah, again, it's a very fluid situation. And what they might plan out now might not uh, be able to come to fruition in, when it's actually time for for the for the games to start. So. It's important to remember too that you know if someone tests positive today, or you know we mentioned Indiana yesterday, all their players were negative. That doesn't mean they don't test positive tomorrow. I mean, right. this is an ongoing yeah. situation that could change right. a week from now, two weeks from now, two months from now. And you mentioned you hit on earlier, Ryan, and it's a good point. But what is the breaking point? And I think that's the question that needs to be asked of these schools and these football programs. At what point do you seriously consider? shutting things down or not playing or whatever, you know, does it take somebody being hospitalized? Does it take a ma- ma- massive outbreak where the 30 or 40 year players test positive? Um, you're starting to see cases around the country where teams have started voluntary workouts that have had to shut it down. Houston did it. Um, Boise state just did it the other day. Kansas state did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what is the breaking point? What is the threshold for where it's, it's safe to continue and, and not continue? Cause the reality is, uh, as we go on through the summer into the fall, I, every program is going to be hit by cases at some point, whether right. it's one player, whether it's multiple players. How do you manage that? How do you mitigate that? How do you prevent it from becoming a big, big, bigger issue where you can't play a game anymore? So that's that's where I think we're, we're heading towards this fall, uh, where I think you're going to see most, if not all schools, try to play football. But there, I would not be surprised if there are situations where some schools are hit so badly that they, they can't do it. So that's going to be fascinating to watch, your, your especially especially early on in the fall, and 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 maybe later on as the season goes on, as we get into cold and flu season again, when the virus is expected to to break out, right? And obviously, we're talking football here because I, I guess because that's just the the first one to start. Um, but of course, you know, basketball, all these sports are going to be affected. But you know, basketball being one of the other primary ones we cover here, um, yeah, I mean, it 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 starts a little later. But that's not necessarily a good thing. You don't know because there's second wave talk and it is an indoor sport versus outdoor. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, you just don't know. Now, now, let's not be naive here. Obviously, money is a huge factor here. We've talked about that really from the beginning. Um, it's true for sports coming back because it's, it's, it's big business, uh, especially college football and many of these schools. But just for the schools in general. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Michigan or any other school has, you know, is going to just completely put students at risk, you know, uh, put value the dollar above, above the health of students, but there is financial incentive to bring students uh, back to campus. I mean, you probably know, I think it's safe to say that you, that some students wouldn't necessarily come. They wouldn't, you know, shell out big tuition money if, you know, they know they can't be on campus if they have to, you know, only do remote learning. Like you're, you're not maybe feeling you're not getting your, your money's worth, um, you know, at a bigger school if, if that's the route they're going. So, um, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of, of course, how it all, it all plays out here. Um, you know, I mentioned, we mentioned it's fluid situation. Things can change, but you almost, you almost feel like they don't want to put out, you know, if they're being patient, you know, before they make their announcement, you know, they don't want to have to like go back on it, um, you know, before the fall starts. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see, but, uh, obviously, you know, future athletes are still, uh, 
you know, recruiting is still happening. Um, that never stops. Um, and Michigan football, uh, did pick up, uh, one over the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of their, uh, top defensive commits in, in the class so far, uh, they landed, uh, a defensive end Quentin Somerville, uh, a four-star prospect from Arizona, um, who early on, I mean, a couple months ago in April, he was, he was a top 100 player in, in the class, uh, the number four ranked defensive end and the latest rankings, he slipped a little bit. Uh, all the way down to 150 overall and, and, number, and the number 14 strong side defensive end, but still a, a big win for, for Sean Nua and the Wolverines. Um, I guess uh, Nua started recruiting Somerville even when he uh, was at Arizona State a couple years ago. Um, so that he had that relationship kind of building over the last couple of years. And uh, for uh, a class that started off a little bit on shaky ground on the defensive side with laying a lot of three-star prospects, they're, it's starting to turn around. Uh, and uh, Somerville's a, a, a nice get for them. Uh, he's the fourth highest ranked Michigan commit now in this 2021 class, um, second highest ranked defensive player. And the class is now up to seventh overall in the country. And um, at this point, it's mostly because of quantity. Uh, I actually wrote about this a little bit to, uh, earlier this week. Uh, Michigan has uh, – there's only four programs that have more commits in their 2021 class than Michigan right now. So they've been aggressive during this pandemic trying to ink, uh, get these players in the fold early um, and kind of fill in a few more pieces – uh, later in the game, unlike maybe some other programs that are, are waiting it out, getting players on visits more. Um, so, but this is a, a pretty good start, pretty good prospect. And uh, I mean, just watching a little bit of video, I mean, you could definitely see the athleticism there and, and the ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, he is a little bit on the smaller side, um, listed between six foot one and six foot three. I've heard he's a little bit closer to six foot one, 230 30 pounds. Shorter arms, so we'll, we'll we'll see how he how he develops. But um, there is a, is a nice little motor there and, and some athleticism that you could definitely build around. So we'll see. But overall, I'm pretty pretty good land for for Michigan. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna kind of plug that story as well uh, on mlive.com slash Wolverines right now with you know a good kind of recap and, and insights and details about, you know, where Michigan stands uh, with this 2021 class and and kind of the the strategy that you could see them deploying and, and kind of in the context of, yeah, their, you know, big 10 and, and national peers just today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots, a lot is going to hinge on how they do with some of these top remaining uh, in-state in-state prospects. And one of them today, uh, Clarkson offensive tackle, Garrett Dellinger, another top 100 player um, decided to go to down South and, and commit to LSU. So that's a pretty big loss for, for Michigan. Um, I mean, obviously you want to keep, keep the in-state players at, at home, especially of his caliber. And that leaves now there's three top remaining in-state targets that Michigan, Michigan really needs to land at one or at least two of them. And, and it all starts with the big name is Donovan Edwards, uh, a four-star French five running back who uh, right now Michigan doesn't really have a good plan B. So um, they're going all in for Edwards. Um, and if he decides to go back to the SEC as well, I mean that will be a, a huge loss. He's a uh, could be a generational player for for Michigan, number thirty six overall, number three running back in the entire country, uh, right in Michigan's backyard at West Bloomfield. So uh, another another couple guys, Rocco Spindler, 
Uh, Dellinger's teammate at Clarkson, he's a he's a top fifty guy in offensive guard. Uh, Michigan's pretty in pretty good shape with with four commits already on the offensive line, with three of them being four stars. But uh, again, this is you don't. It's not every day you can land a, a top fifty prospect in your own state, uh, in your own backyard. And uh, same thing with with Rashawn Benny. Michigan's looking for at him as a defensive tackle, and right now they don't have a traditional true. Uh, interior defensive lineman in the class. They didn't have one last year as well. So, uh, I mean, these are these are big-time battles that, that Michigan needs to win um, to really kind of hammer home this 2021 class, so which got off to a promising start with uh, with the first two commits being top 100 guys and one of them being five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy. So uh, a, lot of time, a lot of time between now and an and early signing period in December. But, again, with uncertainty of – in-person visits uh you would like to get as much as you can wrapped up um and committed early on to kind of take away a little bit of a stress come come signing day so we'll see absolutely so they started strong let's see if they can finish strong uh yeah yeah to michigan's defense they did lose dellinger to lsu defending national champions and everything else but ryan to, to reinforce the point you made Michigan needs to do a better job recruiting in the backyard. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why you haven't seen them take that leap. Um, I mean, there's multiple reasons. But, I mean, they, they have shown a, a lack of consistency in recruiting the state of Michigan with their, with their, top, with their top guys. And you've seen top guys leave the state before. You've seen top guys go elsewhere, whether it's Michigan State or Ohio State, wherever. Um, and, and to lose these type of guys in their backyard is, to me, it, it can be troublesome. And I think it's one of the reasons why Michigan hasn't become one of those elite programs. Uh, you can't let a guy like, like Bellinger, I think, leave. I mean, LSU, to come in, to, to go across the country, get him uh, and bring him home, to me, is it's, it's, it's not a good sign. Now, they, I think they could, like you mentioned, Rocco Spiller and Donovan Edwards, I think they, they're, they seem to be in good shape with both of those two. But I think if they lose either one of those, um, the recruiting momentum they may have started with with regards to this class is, is going to be is, is I think it's going to take a take a toll because as we've talked about before, um, their average recruiting score is obviously less than it was this time last year. I mean they're they're projected at this point to finish in the top ten to fifteen, but when it comes to competing against Ohio State and competing against Alabama, where most of these fans I think want Michigan to eventually get or be, it's not good not good enough, and and you need to knock down guys guys like Garrett, Garrett Dellinger and Rocco Spindler and Donovan Edwards to get there. Um, they've, they've still got an opportunity. They can still get a couple more guys, uh, but to see him leave. And, and granted, you know, Michigan wasn't necessarily the favorite and hasn't been the favorite for Dellinger in the last few weeks, and LSU was projected by most analysts to be the team. Um, you've, got to, you've got to steal a guy here or there, and, and this would have been a perfect opportunity to do that, and they just couldn't do it. On the men's basketball side, I mean, no, no commitments at all yet, which is uh, not – not terribly unusual. I mean, some schools ha- ha- have one or two, but uh, the offers are out there for, for 2021 um, close to 30 of them by, by my count, um, you know, including many, many of the top players, you know, almost all of them are in, in the top 100 and uh, yeah, you know, right. The number one player right down to most of the top 10 and the top 25. We've been over this before. He, Joan Howard is going after, you know, the top players I, I've, I've, Spoken to several of them recently, so I'll have stories up on mlive.com kind of, uh, you know, detailing their recruitments a little bit more. And then, yeah, 2022, he's, he's already on, I don't know, up to 15 or, or 20 of those kids have, uh, have reported offers. Um, that's, the, that's the class that Juwan's youngest son, Jet, is a part of. 
and Money uh, Bates. Money Bates is the the number one player in that class and does does hold a a Michigan offer that came that came last summer actually around this time. So yeah, a lot of uh, you, you would expect maybe some of these guys to to start committing, but at least the ones I I spoke to no um you know no timetable that they put on themselves. Uh, you know they they got in some visits uh, potentially you know in their you know, earlier in their, in their junior year or whatever, but, uh, you know, now would be a time that they'd be taking them and they, you know, so they still want to, there's still schools they haven't seen in some cases, Michigan would be one of those schools. So there's no, uh, immediate rush, I guess, to, to get, to get that done. So we'll just continue to, uh, to monitor that, but, um, yeah, that's all we have for this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. So thank you for listening. 